Hello, Rebels. You're listening to a free audio-only recording of my show, Rebel Roundup. Now, if you like listening to this podcast, then you would love watching it. But in order to watch, you need to be a subscriber to Rebel News Plus. That's what we call our long-format TV-style shows here on The Rebel. Subscribers get access to watching my weekly show, as well as other great TV-style shows, too. It's only $8 a month to subscribe, or you can subscribe annually and get two months free. And just for podcast listeners, you can also save an extra 10% on a new premium membership by using the coupon code PODCAST when you subscribe. Just go to rebelnewsplus.com to become a member. And please leave a five-star review on this podcast and subscribe in iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Those reviews are a great way to support Rebel News without spending a dime. And now, enjoy this free audio-only version of my show. Welcome to Rebel Roundup, ladies and gentlemen, and the rest of you, in which we look back at some of the very best commentaries of the week by your favorite Rebels. I'm your host, David Menzies. Victory on the Alberta food service front. Yes, the little whistle-stop cafe in the wee hamlet of Mirror got into a steering contest with the provincial government regarding an illegal reopening. And guess who won? Sheila Gunn-Reed has all the details. Andrea Humphrey took a visit to a Vancouver area quarantine hotel and it was downright creepy. Well, we think it's a quarantine hotel. Part of the problem is that there is so much secrecy surrounding this property, but why? Drea will weigh in with her thoughts. And letters, we get your letters, we get them every minute of every day. And you had plenty to say about Alicia Herder, a single mother entrepreneur who is being bullied and harassed and defamed by pro-lockdown types, ranging from bylaw officers to the local media outlet, the St. Catherine Standard, and Alicia's crying, opening her hair salon in order to make a living and serve an appreciative clientele. Absolutely incredible. Those are your rebels, now let's round them up. We've got a major victory to report in the Alberta Restaurant Rebellion. Now, the Restaurant Rebellion was first started when Mirror Alberta's Chris Scott opened up his little whistle-stop cafe to the open arms of his community. Alberta restaurants at the time had been closed to dine-in services since the middle of December. But by January, with no end in sight to the closure of his restaurant, Chris just reopened in complete defiance of the lockdown orders and customers came and filled up his small diner day after day after day and so did Alberta Health Services and the local RCMP. Day after day Chris was subject to constant surveillance and constant visits from the local police and Alberta Health inspectors. Chris was given a closure order and then two summonses to appear in provincial court for violating the public health order. In the midst of all of this, a rebellion was inspired. Restaurants from 
all across the province followed suit, also breaking the lockdown to welcome customers back into their dining rooms again. The rebellion grew. It spread to Cold Lake and Bashaw, Sylvan Lake, Big Valley, Smith, Red Deer, Hannah. And the rebellion grew so fast that the Alberta government was forced kicking and screaming into announcing an official launch date for restaurants. That date, February 8th. Now, Alberta Health Services sought and won an emergency court injunction to close Chris's whistle stop. This was especially draconian and spiteful because then it meant a bench warrant could be issued for Chris's arrest if he was found to be in breach of the judge's emergency order. Now, that emergency injunction came just two business days before the official reopening launch date for restaurants across the province. But Chris wasn't worried because we had hired him a top-notch criminal lawyer at no cost to Chris through fightthefines.com. That lawyer is named Chad Williamson, and he worked diligently, aggressively, and passionately on Chris's case. And now, Chris and Chad have scored a major victory against the entire health bureaucracy here in Alberta and everything that bureaucracy could have thrown at Chris. Just take a look at this. Alberta Health Services has stopped pursuing legal action against a small town cafe for defying the province's public health orders and has even covered the owner's legal fees. So, who says you can't fight City Hall? Just look at what happened at the Whistle Stop Cafe, folks. Not only did owner Chris Scott defy the province in reopening, but he's also getting compensation for his hefty legal fees. Now the question arises, what does this restaurateur do for an encore? Well, get this. He's done with playing defense. Now he's going on the offense. In other words, Chris is going to pursue litigation against the province of Alberta for causing him so much grief in the first place. Can't wait to see how this case plays out in a court of law. And with more on the victorious Great Alberta Restaurant Rebellion is the reporter who covered it from start to finish, and that would be the one and only Sheila, the she-devil Gunn-Reed. Welcome to Rebel Roundup, Sheila. Hey, David. Thanks for having me on the show. Always a pleasure. So, Sheila, talk about a tale of two restaurants and two provinces. Here in Toronto, Mayor John the Tyrant Tory literally sent in all the king's men and all the king's horses to shut down Adam Skelly of Adamson Barbecue and then sent Adam a bill for $187,000 to cover the costs of the law enforcement. But quite a different story has played out in Little Mirror, Alberta, hasn't it? Yeah, I mean, Chris Scott, he took on the entire government in a staring contest several times now, and the government continues to blink. And it is a much different tale than what unfolded in Toronto, both in the reaction of the government, but also the reaction of the police and the reaction of his peers in the restaurant industry. So Adam Skelly was basically left to fight this alone. Chris Scott inspired other restaurants to do the same as him and open up in defiance of the lockdown. The local RCMP, a small detachment out of Bashaw, Alberta, about 20 minutes away from Muir, 
they were as hands off as they could possibly be given the situation with Chris Scott, never actually issuing him a ticket, rather two di different summonses to appear in Stettler Provincial Court. Those summonses are still there. So while he has this one application withdrawn um, by Alberta Health Services, those two summonses for breaching the public health order, those still exist. Those are still out there and we still have to fight those. Um, and, you know, in Toronto, Adam Skelly, uh, like you say, all the King's horses and all the King's men, the riot squad was brought in to stop a barbecue place from being open and serving barbecue. I'm, it was, I mean, things could not have been more different than what unfolded in Mir and what unfolded in uh, Toronto. But Chris Scott, he fought the government and he won. He had Alberta Health Services withdraw their application against him. And instead of what has happened to Adam Skelly in Toronto, the government is paying Chris Scott now for his troubles. You know, what do you think was going on behind the scenes, Sheila, in Alberta, not to go in en masse in force to shut down those restaurants? You know, it kind of reminds me, I'm, I'm thinking, I, I believe it was 1990, the fall of the Berlin Wall. But, you know, when the stories emerged after the fact, it was a minute-by-minute minute decision whether the East German authorities were going to send in the tanks and quell that little rebellion with force. They decided, no, the gig is up. We're going to just let it go through. So I, I'm not comparing a restaurant rebellion to the fall of the Berlin Wall, of course. But I, what I'm getting at is the authorities in charge who can dispatch lethal force, why did they come down so hard on Adam Skelly, uh, whereas uh, Chris, uh, well, the government blinked? I think these are cultural issues. These, it speaks to the fact that there are truly two Canadas and you live in one and I live in the other. Um, for Chris Scott, he's in rural Alberta. So this is a place where we don't like anybody telling us what to do. And mostly we just want to be left alone. Yep. Versus very progressive Toronto with your very progressive mayor um, and their, I guess, progressive uh, premier. And in Alberta, Jason Kenney's base is rural Alberta. To win the premiership in Alberta, you need to get either Edmonton or Calgary and all of rural Alberta. Well, Edmonton's generally a write-off most of the time because it's the government city. So if he wants to maintain his grasp on power, he has to not annoy rural Alberta, and he has been lately. Um, and so, you know, the fact that this restaurant rebellion came from Jason Kenney's base, small business owners in rural Alberta, supported by the farming communities around them and the farmers, producers were dropping off food to keep these restaurants going. Uh, the Beef Angels at Nielsen Beef, for example. Um, that's why things, I think, worked out differently. It, it really is. It comes down to the fact that Western Canada and in particular, Alberta, we are a much different place than Toronto. And you know, Sheila, you said something there that I find so perversely amusing. You called the mayor of Toronto progressive. You called the premier of Ontario progressive. If you talk to these two gentlemen, they'll tell you they're conservatives. Oh, sure. I, I, I don't know if that's a statement on uh, the death of conservatism in central Canada or not, but don't you find that so weird? It's funny because 
as an Albertan, we we get mad at our politicians because they're not conservative enough. And then every few years, every decade or so, we burn an entire party to the ground and start again fresh <laughs> yeah. because we find it's not conservative enough. That's why we get mad at our conservative politicians. In the rest of the country, you guys seem to get mad at your conservative politicians if they don't move to the center enough. And then they move to the center and then people say, well, why would I even vote for that guy? If he's so liberal, why don't I just vote for the liberals? And they can't, they can't make that connection in their minds. Um, it is very strange as, as a conservative on the outside of Toronto and Ontario, looking at what you, call, what you call conservatives versus what we are. And we see this unfolding in the federal party, oh. right? Like we see Aaron O'Toole acting like one of those like centrists. And w out here, we're the conservative base and we're saying, well, that's not exactly what we asked for and that's not what you promised us you'd be. And we see that with all the conservative politicians. Doug Ford, clearly not as advertised, right? It, oh, uh, 100%. And uh, as for the federal conservative leader, I just now call him uh, Aaron O'Shear. Um, but, you know, Sheila, the, um, the other thing from right to left, let's talk about that perspective when it comes to illegal restaurant or gym or retail um, openings. I can't even believe I said that, an illegal mm -hmm. restaurant opening like it's a speakeasy serving liquor in the 1920s. But, you know, we've always heard from the left um, such chestnuts as my body, my choice and reasonable accommodation. And that seems to have evaporated, uh, hasn't it, in 2020 and 2021? It's uh, you do what you're told by big government or else you're going to jail. What happened there, Sheila? You know, it's the, the this push to control everything that we do in our lives and a nameless, faceless bureaucrat that I wish I never knew their names. Now they're controlling every aspect of our lives. They used to, as Corey Morgan from the Western Standard points out, these people used to simply count chlamydia and gonorrhea outbreaks. Mm. That used to be the extent of their job. Now they're deciding who gets to go to church, who gets to open their business. And the left, I mean, I don't, when I look at them, I think, well, is this, like, they're so uh prone to centralized control and they really are pro nationalizing all the businesses but if you can't nationalize them on paper isn't it a lot easier to just have every aspect of how you do business and you live your life controlled by the government without the government actually having to expropriate your church or your business i mean so for the left this is all just a like a it's a means to their end of controlling your life and nationalizing everything. They're just using these new health regulations to do it. And, and Sheila, uh, we have to wrap, but I, I think you touched upon something very important here. And that is before this pandemic, um, I think the average Joe and the average Jane uh, didn't know the name Teresa Tam or Eileen uh, Davila, Cruella Davila, as I like to call her. Uh, but now these public health officials, um, they've almost become household words and celebrities. And I think they're feeding on that. And this yeah. is only further making our lives miserable. 
Anyways, I want to thank you for all the great reporting at the Whistle Stop uh, Cafe. You ate so many zombie burgers. I don't know how you maintained uh, your, your slimness. If that was me on that beat, Sheila, I'm the next <laughs> subject for my 600-pound life. So please uh, keep us informed in the months ahead in terms of how Chris does when he, go, when he switches from defense to offense and goes after the government for what they did for, to him. Yes, and if people at home would like to help Chris as he holds the government accountable for what they've done to him, and he still has those two pending summonses to appear in provincial court in April, if you'd like to help, if you feel compelled to help, please do so at fightthefines.com. There you go. Thank you so much, Sheila. And that was Sheila Gunn-Reed somewhere in the northern hinterland of Alberta. Keep it here, folks. More of Rebel Roundup to come right after this. here with Rebel News. We've been bringing you the other side of the story of life with COVID-19 since as early as January 2020. And that includes the discussion of mandatory quarantine facilities. Now, my colleague Kim Bexty, he showed you what happened to Nikki Mathis. She was terrified. She was taken against her will and stuck in a COVID jail without her family even knowing where she was going. We, with your help by the people who donate at nocovidjails.com, had a free fighter lawyer on that case who was there giving her free legal counsel. We had that done as fast as you could say there's a new COVID-19 variant. But in Vancouver, BC, we haven't heard a lot of the stories. David Menzies as well has brought us tons from Toronto at the Radisson in particular, uh, so much to the point that the police ended up his at his house. Hello, sir. How are you doing, officer? I have a summons here for you for court. Okay. It's for inter-premises when entry prohibited. But in Vancouver, BC, overall it's been pretty quiet. But a tipster did reach out to us and say that he was forced to stay here for quite some time and he didn't want to come forward with his name. So we're going to investigate to see if in fact this is a quarantine hotel and why not start with giving them a call. Hi, Anna. What's the best price for two rooms there? Uh, sorry, is this for to me? Uh, yes, please. Oh, uh, unfortunately, we are closed until May 15th. You're closed until May? Yeah. Oh, how come? Uh, we've been closed since March, actually. Oh, my goodness. That's a long time. Yeah. How are you guys yeah. staying in business? Um, well, not much staff are currently working right now, so... Okay, so you're open, yeah. you're answering the phone, but you guys are closed till, till May. Yeah. Oh. I know there's also a few other hotels around the area too that are closed. Uh, River Rock and Hilton, I believe. Okay. All right. Yeah. Thanks so much. Okay. No worries. Bye. Bye. Well, they said they're closed till May 15th, but there's a lot of vehicles in the parking lot. Let's take a look and see if they're closed, why there's so many people here. Got some open doors over here. Looks like a white tarp inside.
right. So we've got the kitchen and bar will remain closed until further notice due to the COVID-19 pandemic. So in BC, restaurants are allowed to be open. So it's not like they were ordered to shut there. So let's see. So it says caution, construction in progress. But we know if you've watched some of David Menzies' reports, he was told that the hotel was closed, the, the uh, one out there, because it was under construction. And that was a lie. How are you doing there? We're just with uh, Rebel News. My name's David Menzies. And uh, okay. yeah, just going to see if we could get a room for the night. No, sorry. No? No, whole oh. place is closed. Who are you, by the way? I'm a security manager here, Jamie. Oh, okay. Um, Jamie, so why is it closed? Uh, it's closed for construction. Why the secrecy? I think we would all feel more comfortable with how our taxpayer dollars are being spent if we weren't lied to about where these facilities are. Yes, why all the secrecy indeed? It is, after all, our money funding these internment camps or quarantine facilities or quasi-prisons or whatever you want to call them. And come on, it's not as though one can hide a multi-story quarantining facility in the first place. Well, joining us now for the latest chapter regarding yet another Lotel quarantine is Drea Humphrey. Welcome to Rebel Roundup, Drea. Hi, David. Hi, everyone. Great to have you. You know, Drea, I have to say, some of the footage you presented it looked like something straight out of George Romero's Dawn of the Dead. But before we get into the nitty gritty at this property, why do you think it is that the Justin Trudeau Liberals are being so darn secretive regarding these facilities? Well, I think it's a tactic that they always use. They always uh, avoid answering any important questions. And now we're seeing it in something so significant as detaining people in hotels, COVID jails, if you will. So I think it's, um, you know, just how they rule. Yeah, really. And talk about not coming as advertised. I remember on election night back in 2015, Justin Trudeau promising to make this the most honest and transparent government in Canadian history. Gee, what happened along the way? But Drea, um, you know, you're walking through this um, hotel. Uh, I, I thought the footage uh, that you and your photographer shot was just uh, outstanding. And it just seemed surreal to me, like very, uh, you know, horror movie-like. And, and everybody you came up to to get any kind of clarification they wouldn't talk to you, but you can't hide a hotel, can you? Well, what is the point? I mean, if there's something that uh, they really don't want us to know, why are we hiding this? I mean, it's like hiding a hospital or something for sick people. <laughs> like, just say yes. That's all they have to do is just say yes. You know what? This uh, We're all aware of life with COVID-19, so stop making it so terrifying by not answering questions, immediately going to your phone. I'm pretty sure he was calling the police, not a manager. You know, it's just like, it's ridiculous. Oh, 100%. Well, you only got the Sergeant Schultz, I know nothing, I saw nothing routine, but 
I got at the Radisson, of course, as you mentioned in your report, Drea, uh, a, a security person, Jamie, outright lying, saying that the property was under construction when you see all these little faces pressed up against the window. Um, if that's the case, uh, I really got to look into where the, the construction permits are because by law you have to have them posted. So um, mm -hmm. again, at least they didn't go that far in the deception with you. But again, it speaks to the ostensible policy reason as to the, why they don't want to give this information. And I go back to a few months ago, Drea, as you know, when Randy Hillier raised this in the Ontario mm -hmm. legislature, he was mocked, he was laughed mm -hmm. at, his mic got cut off. Wow, those cows are coming home to roost, aren't they? You know, it's so important we bring it up. I know all of us have brought it up, but I mean, that is just the prime example of, you know, the bullies in Parliament, for one, who laughs at people for asking a question? I mean, didn't we learn in grade school that's inappropriate? And then number two, it was a valid question. It was ahead of its time. And we see that narrative happen all the time. If if you ask things too soon about how COVID's going to be handled, you're automatically some sort of crazy conspiracy theorist. And uh, I don't think the question should end there. In August, I did a report as well that said, will we have uh, mandatory quarantine uh, or isolation centers? And if you look at our Emergency Act laws, the COVID Measures Act, there's really nothing stopping these people from saying, you know what, everybody who tests positive from COVID now has to uh, quarantine in some sort of facility. So these are questions that definitely should be getting asked by politicians. And it's quite shameful that I think it's only been Randy Hillier and Derek Sloan to this point who have really addressed them, um, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, both of whom get kicked out of their uh, <laughs> parties um, so much for uh, speaking truth to power. And by the way, on the, uh, the issue of Randy Hillier, the thing is, Drea, it wasn't like he was embracing a conspiracy theory and he lucked out by it becoming true. He was referring to a request for proposals to mm -hmm. build these facilities in the first place. So that was just remarkable. I also get the feeling, uh, Drea, I don't know <coughs> if you've had the chance to do this yourself, but I phoned the 1-800-Quarantine-Hotel federal government toll-free line. Uh, did so on Monday when I went to the airport. Got disconnected two out of two times. Spoke to the husband of a um, woman that was flying in. He phoned the line 15 times, I think in the space of 90 minutes. Got disconnected 15 times before ever speaking to a human. We also have a report, it's allegations right now, of uh, a security um, uh, personnel sexually assaulting a woman at one of these um, hotels. What does, and again, that those allegations have to be proven in a court of law, but what it all suggests to me, Drea, is that this program has been rushed forward and it's a fiasco. You know, it's a knee-jerk reaction. We see this all the time with the COVID-19 restrictions. and. And let's address the facts that, you know, that the doorknobs apparently were removed and leaving this woman so vulnerable. Um, so how is this for safety and the fact that healthy people are being uh, forced to quarantine or being detained in these facilities alongside people who are more likely to have the virus? I mean, it reminds me of when Cuomo in the U.S., you know, mixed in 
mingled COVID-19 people with others. And, you know, since then, people have said thousands have died because of that, right? Or hundreds, I think it's thousands. Yep, 100%. Um, so, yeah, so it, it's like, how is this smart for health purposes when these people can go home and quarantine at home? Yeah, 100%. We have to wrap it here, Dre. I think Cuomo should be imprisoned for that uh, egregious decision. And, uh, and folks, if you haven't seen Drea's full report, please do. As Count Floyd used to say, whatever you do, kids, don't forget your 3D glasses because it's that spooky and creepy. And uh, Drea, I'm sure you'll stay on the Vancouver front of these hotels and, uh, and the airport because Vancouver is one yeah. of four cities still accepting international travelers. I think there's a heck of a lot more stories to come uh, in Absolutely. your neck of the woods as well. All right. Thank you, David. Bye, everyone. You got it. Have a great weekend. And that was Drea Humphrey in Vancouver. Keep it here, folks. More of Rebel Roundup to come right after this. You may recall how the story originally began last month, folks. Alicia found a uh, loophole, if you want to call it that, to allow her to remain in business. She reimagined Chrome Artistic Barbering as a film production company. And as you know, right across Canada, film production companies, they're working all through this pandemic. And uh, Alicia's making a documentary, and she originally had the blessing by a bylaw officer here at the City of St. Catharines. Hello, Steve Speck with the City Hall, and everybody else considered uh, with the... Uh filming industry part of it is good. Have a nice day. Well, publicity led to bylaw from both the city and the region clamping down. Alicia closed down for a little while. Another salon, uh, Evolution Salon and Spa, were doing the same uh, business model. They'd closed down and then they decided enough is enough. We're going to go back into the film production business. But then Things really took a sinister twist. And Alicia, we go back just a few days ago, and somehow you are being accused of advocating for the death of the medical health officer in Niagara, uh, Mustafa Herji. Uh, what, what's happened here? Uh, I went online. I participated in other email campaigns um to make moves in St. Catharines, and there was another one that was advertised. It was hashtag fireherji. Um, the instructions were to write an email to Dr. Herji, let him know how disappointed we were in the 20,000 jo jobs lost in St. Catharines, and are continuing to be in the gray phase. And after that, I decided to make a meme that said hashtag fireherji, like everybody else had done, and I posted it, and it went from there. And at no point in this meme, and I think I've seen it, that's uh, Herji's picture with uh, two little uh, devils on his shoulders. At any point, did you ever call for violence or death to Dr. Herji? No, not at all. I simply repeated, hashtag fire Herji. We have a right. He's a public constituent. We weren't happy with what he was doing, hence the campaign. So I simply recreated a little bit of a better meme, a more effective meme than just a hashtag. 
And of course, the fallout has just been stunning, folks. Um, both Premier Doug Ford and Prime Minister Justin Trudeau have weighed in uh, on this, saying that this is completely unacceptable. And by the way, it is unacceptable. You don't call for the death of a public official or anybody. I mean, that's my line when it comes to, uh, my line in the sand, that is, when it comes to free speech. You don't advocate harm or death to a person or an identifiable group. But the thing is, it was not Alicia Herder calling for this. It was other people online, and yet they're claiming that you incited them somehow by a silly little meme? Yes, because there was an underline under Dr. Herji's name. It's a Actually, it's a graphics app that I used, and when you search underline, it was the underline that came up. Um, it was red, and it's been told to me that it looks like it's a blood smear. That wasn't the intention. It was to match the, that wasn't my intention at all. You can blatantly see by the meme. Other people shared it, but I'm the one, apparently, that shared it in a different way to incite violence and a beheading. That wasn't the case at all. And of course, folks, the media party has piled on. Uh, you showed me a story that was written by Grant LaFlesh of the St. Catherine Standard. Can you read the lead, uh, Alicia, in terms of what he said? And folks, you can see how this could be very badly misconstrued in terms of blaming Alicia for these ongoing uh, death threats that have popped up uh, for this doctor. Opponents of Niagara's upcoming COVID-19 gray area lockdown, including a salon owner who has opened in defiance of pandemic regulations, have taken to social media calling for the firing, arrest and assault and even beheading of Niagara's acting medical officer of health. And of course, you are the salon owner. Um, so uh, to me, Alicia, uh, and we spoke off camera about this, you're so upset about this that you're reaching out to legal counsel right now in terms of a defamation claim against the St. Catherine Standard. Well, right now I've got to do something. I mean, this, this article has changed everything. Sorry, I'm, it, I have to do something. So yeah, I'm looking into something because my life has changed in a crazy way because he incited violence against me. It wasn't, it wasn't me inciting violence against anybody. He's done that at me now, so I've got to make a move for sure. And, and if you need a moment, I understand, Alicia. And, and folks, uh, Alicia's telling the truth because here's the other part of the story that isn't getting reported and a part of the story that not even the police, if you can imagine, are responding to. Alicia has been getting hate messages and death threats herself. Let's um, play this message. You should be the one beheaded because you're damn stupid not to understand it. We're going through a pandemic. And this is bloody ridiculous that people like you are the ones that are causing the problem. Get a life. Stay home. Wear a mask. Be social distance. Stop being a jack. Folks, do you get the idea that the vulgar nut bar doesn't see the irony in stating get a life, but then advocates that Alicia Herder should stay home? <laughs> Incredible. And how disgusting is it that this single mother entrepreneur is actually receiving death threats and intimidation from the authorities, all because she found a valid way to operate her hair salon as a film production studio. Again, despicable is the word. In any event, here's what you had to say about the grotesque pylon Alicia Herder is going under for the egregious sin of just trying to make a living and servicing her clients. Eva Thessian writes, 
I am appalled at where the lies of our media and governments have led us. I am so sorry to hear what you're going through. It breaks my heart. Thank you, Rebel News, for covering truth as to what is happening to this country. Well, thank you for the kind words, Eva. Part of the pylon Alicia is enduring is from the local media outlet, the St. Catherine Standard. That rag implied Alicia was uttering death threats. But since we reached out to them, guess what, folks? They have altered their online story to correct that implication. What a bunch of rats. Anita Dooley writes, when you post media, you invite media. Do not dish it if you cannot take it. Uh, Anita, sorry, but you are a clueless idiot here. Yes, Alicia reached out to media outlets. And yes, she can take criticism. But it is completely offside for anybody or any media outlet to defame and libel her simply because they disagree with her. <laughs> You're welcome. Jonathan Geek writes, are any of these people aware of how strict sanitation is in barbershops and hair salons? Even before COVID, they were subject to strict standards in cleanliness and hygiene. You are a trillion times more likely to get COVID at Walmart than a hair salon. Well, I don't know about a trillion times more likely, Jonathan, but I get your point. A small business with limited numbers of clients is way better situated to maintain hygiene best practices than a jam-packed big box store. Absolutely. The doctor writes, an old lady saying how a woman should be beheaded. Wow. Not only are some people brainwashed, but they are psychotic. Indeed. And by the way, folks, if anyone knows who that vulgar old lady is or that creepy guy on the phone, please pass along the info to us. I would love to interview them. And what do you want to bet they won't be so full of bravado when they aren't anonymous trolls? Plum Fun writes, P.S. The media is pro-shutdown because it gives them news to sell as entertainment. The city officials are pro-shutdown because it gives them a reason to keep expressing their power. The police are pro-shutdown because they get to hand out tickets that pay for their paychecks. It's simply money. I said it before. Want to end all this COVID stuff? Wait until the people in power start to see their bank accounts and paychecks dwindling. Well, you know Plum Fun? Couldn't have said it any better myself. Stephen McIntyre writes, you may want to add the police to your list of lawsuits as well. They are flat out lying and neglecting to do their duty and they are intimidating you. They can and have gone after people for online bullying and harassment. Well put Stephen, but apparently it is politically correct for them to threaten a salon owner for opening during a lockdown. <laughs> Talk about a dereliction of duty indeed. Spees Spees writes, don't the police have a cyber unit? The police aren't doing their job. Wow. And those people threatening and bullying her? It's all just so sad. She has to go to the ombudsman about the police. Well, maybe the cops are busy with other things. In other words, I once heard that St. Catharines has the greatest number of Tim Horton donut stores per capita than any other Canadian municipality. Hmm. Jimmy Zhao writes, Grant LaFleche seems like a weakling. Well, folks, Grant LaFleche is the journalist who penned a grotesque hit piece on Alicia for the St. Catherine Standard. I don't know if he's a weakling, Jimmy, but he's definitely a coward and a bully and a poor excuse for a journalist. I reached out to him for comment, 
But he said he was too busy to talk and then hung up the phone. And then after our piece aired, guess what? Like I said, the St. Catherine Standard altered their online story regarding Alicia. No doubt fearful of a defamation lawsuit. Gee, what does it say about the mainstream media that it attracts so many gutless weasels to their ranks in the first place? I'd like to ask that question of Mr. LaFleche, but he'd probably just hang up on me again. Well, that wraps up another edition of Rebel Roundup. Thanks so much for joining us. See you next week. And hey, folks, never forget, without risk, there can be no glory. Good night.